Is anything repulsive to you? When we lived in California, we had several fruit trees in our backyard. But these fruit trees would attract fruit rats. And so often I was trapping rats. One time there was like a five-day gap between the time that I checked the traps and there was a rat caught probably five days ago. It stank. It already had maggots in it. And I almost threw up trying to dispose of it. Is there anything so repulsive to you that makes you want to throw up? Did you know that there are some things that are repulsive to Jesus? He said as much to the church in Laodicea because he said to them, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spew you out of my mouth. The NIV translates it nicely. The word in the Greek means vomit. I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. This church and its thinking were repulsive to Jesus. And so what could be so bad about them that Jesus actually says, I want to throw up? Well, let's read the text it's the message to the last of the seven churches, chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot, neither cold, nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness, and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious, sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would open our eyes to see and our ears to hear what you have to say to us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The church and the city of Laodicea was a wealthy city and church. Laodicea was a banking center and a hub for commerce. It also had a medical center that was famous for its eye salve and treating eye ailments. 
It was also the center of the garment district in the Roman Empire. All the fashionistas came from Laodicea. Here's a graphic of uh, the, the church, out of the city. So imagine that that's covered with beautiful marble, the main walkway. On either side of this walkway are these magnificent buildings with these magnificent columns. As you walk into the city, you're astounded by its wealth. So imagine a church with medical people, bankers, businessmen, fashion designers, with lots of money, and these are people who want to look good. This is the church in Laodicea. Jesus begins his letter by saying, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. Now we hear that word amen all the time. We say it at the end of a prayer and when we use it like that, it means let it be so. But it also appears at the beginning of sentences. When Jesus says, truly, truly, I say unto you, or verily, verily, I say unto you, in Greek, he is saying, amen, amen, I say to you. And when that amen appears at the beginning of a sentence, it means, listen up, because I'm going to tell you something that's really, really true that you might not think is true, but it is truth. And he says this because he's going to have some tough words for Laodicea. He also identifies himself as a faithful and true witness. That is, Jesus communicates accurately what he has seen and heard from God. So these words will be the words of God. He also identifies himself as a ruler of all creation. The word in Greek is arche, it means ruler, source, a beginner, initiator. Everything is made by Christ, through Christ, and for Christ. And so to this wealthy church, he's saying, everything you have, it comes from me. Your life and your breath. It comes from me. Now we like to say, my money, my house, my cars. But when we think of these things in this way, we think of them as existing for me. But when we think of them as coming from God, then our attitude towards them is gratitude. And if we see our days and our breath as coming from him, then we will understand that our days and our breath are given to us for his purposes. Now, after emphasizing certain characteristics of himself to this church, Jesus begins to speak to them about their lives. He says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you're either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. 
Now there's an interesting aspect to this city that sheds light on Jesus' words to them. Laodicea had a rotten water supply. This is in contrast to the church in nearby Colossae that had a, a water supply that came from a cold mountain stream. So here's the stream that flows into Colossae. The people just take their ice cold, refreshing water from that stream. That's a nearby Colossae. Also a nearby city was called Hierapolis. And Hierapolis was famous for its hot springs, and people would actually soak in the hot springs, or they would drink some of the water from the hot springs to cure various ailments. So here's a picture of the hot springs in Hierapolis. There's Elder Ben Davis standing in the hot springs with his wife, Lauren. Now, that water from the hot springs actually flowed into Laodicea. But by the time I got to Laodicea, it wasn't hot anymore. It was lukewarm and it smelled like sulfur and tasted like minerals. And that water from Colossae, let's show a picture of that. They actually would take some of the water from Colossae and pipe it into Laodicea. And by by the time it got to Laodicea, it was stale, warm, tasted like algae. So Jesus is saying, I wish you're hot. Or I wish you were cold, but you're neither. You are lukewarm. Now, uh, there are two ways to take this. One is to say the hot waters of Hierapolis bring healing. The cold waters of Colossae bring refreshment. Your church brings neither. Their words and their action did not heal. They did not refresh. Instead, they harmed and tore people down. Or Jesus is describing three types of people. So let's talk about what these kind of people might be. One kind of person he describes as cold towards him. They do not have a relationship with Christ. They really don't care about him. They're not living for Christ. They don't claim to be. Basically, they are not believers or followers of Jesus. But Jesus actually prefers them to being lukewarm because if you claim to know Christ but you don't really follow Christ you're basically inoculated against the real thing. Nominal Christianity, that's where I am Christian and name only, actually inoculates you against the real thing because you think, oh, I'm already a Christian when you don't even know him. So Jesus would prefer that you be cold. It's the knowledge that I'm lost that actually enables you to be found. And then Jesus uh, describes the person who is hot. This person has been regenerated by the Spirit. They have a, a zeal for Christ. They love Christ. They worship Christ. They serve Christ. They want to hear him speak from his word. As a lover is focused on his or her beloved, so this person is always mindful of Christ. It's reflected in how they live. 
Because Jesus says, I know your deeds. And then Jesus mentions the lukewarm person. Now, because he's speaking to a church and saying, this is what you guys are like, he's actually speaking to people who are church members, who would identify themselves as Christian. But they go through the spiritual motions. There's no desire for Christ. There's no investment in spiritual growth. For the most part, there's no relationship with the Lord. They attend the church, but there's no thought of forever. There's no thought of a spiritual reality. They're lukewarm. That was the church in Laodicea. And Jesus says to them, because you are lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. And this is a dangerous position to be in because this whole idea of spewing you out of my mouth implies rejection by Jesus. Now, some would say, well, they're a church, right? They believe. But in the epistle of James, James says, you believe in God, you do well. The demons also believe. So much so that they tremble. And so, um, just believing that Jesus exists doesn't mean you're necessarily saved or that you're his. Now, Jesus will get to the root of their lukewarmness in verse 17. It has to do with how they think and how they believe. Underneath it is a pride. Verse 17. You say, I'm rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. On September 11th of this year, we had a session retreat. Part of our prep work for the retreat was to diagnose the church. Various elders shared various things, and well, what several elders said reminded me of some things about Laodicea. And so I had one of the participants read the message to the church in Laodicea. And uh, When I asked them to read it again, they said, I am rich. I have acquired wealth. I do not need a thing, but you, realize, but you do not realize that you are wretched and pitiful and poor, blind and naked. And when those words were read, I felt like the Lord had spoken to us. Now, I believe the Lord speaks to me. Here's how he usually does. He speaks to me his word, but it's in his voice. And it's taken me like 40 years to discern his voice, but I know when he speaks. And so when these words were spoken, I felt like they're spoken to the church. And so we have to hear what the Lord is saying to us. What does he mean by this? Well, first of all, he says to this church, you thought, hey, we have it together. We have a lot of wealth. He says, you're actually wretched. 
Now that word means unhappy or unfulfilled. This church thought, hey, we're doing well. We have money. Jesus is saying, you're empty. Your wealth hasn't filled you. And then he calls them pitiful. Because if they're going in the direction they're going in, they're going to be in a pitiable estate. Because you see, reality isn't just this life. We live 80, 90 years on this earth. But how we live the 80 and 90 years matters for an eternity. Jesus looks at things from an eternal perspective and he's telling the church, it's going to be a pitiful estate for you guys. He calls them blind because they don't see things as they are. You don't comprehend spiritual reality. You only think in terms of this world. And then he called them naked. And for these people who lived in the fashion center of the Roman Empire, he's basically telling them, you're dressed in rags because you're not clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Nakedness also implies shame. They looked good on the outside, but they were doing shameful things. This church is like the emperor without clothes. Remember the fable? The emperor's convinced that he looks good until a little boy speaks the truth and says, the emperor has no clothes. Jesus is calling out the church, telling them how it really is. Now, he's going to speak to them about what to do about it. And based on the spiritual state of these people, Jesus is going to give them some advice. Verse 18, he says, I counsel you. Now, in all the other churches, when he tells them something, he uses the mood of command. To this church, he doesn't. Why is that? Because I don't think they've submitted to his lordship. And so he has to advise them, do something that's good for yourselves. And here's his advice. The first thing he says is, uh, buy gold from him. So to learn the meaning of this, we need to look at Isaiah chapter 55. We recited it during our call to worship, where the Lord says to his people, all come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest affair. God was rebuking these people because they were spending their time and their labor and their money on things that did not satisfy and things that would not secure for them a good eternal future. In Laodicea, they had lots of money. They accumulated lots of things. Their delight was in the world. And they never looked to the Lord for satisfaction. This was not an eternally good investment. 
Now, does this mean that Christians can't have some money in their bank account and that they can't have nice houses and some nice things and go on some nice vacations? No. What God's talking about is the focus of your life. If the focus of your life is to make money so you can accumulate things and pleasures and Christ is just there, you have to repent. But if your main aim is the glory of God and finding satisfaction in Christ, and in the course of that, God blesses you with nice things, then you're grateful for those things. And you see your resources as a way to advance the gospel. Jesus tells the church, run to me, find your satisfaction in me, and then you'll be truly rich. The next thing he counsels this church to do is to run to him for white garments. The pig people in Laodicea wore the latest fashions, but Jesus says, you're naked. And what they lacked was righteousness. In Revelation chapter 19, 8, we read that the saints receive white robes, which are the righteous acts of the saints. Now, there's two kinds of righteousness. One's credited righteousness, where if we belong to Christ, Christ lived a perfect and righteous life. His righteousness is credited to our accounts. But our gratitude for this always results in truly righteous living where we live as Christ, obedient, holy, merciful, justly. This church either lacked credited righteousness or actual righteousness, probably both. And Jesus is telling them, you gotta put on righteousness. You gotta put on Christ so you're credited with righteousness. And you have to put on the character of Christ so that indeed you are clothed with righteous acts that are becoming the saints of God. And then, Jesus counsels the church to run to him for eye salve so they can see. Laodicea was famous for its eye salve. It had had an antibiotic property to it. They exported it throughout the empire. But Jesus says, you're blind and you need me so you can see things as they really are. You don't see spiritual reality. You just see the here and now. Now, Jesus' words to this church are quite severe. He has nothing good to say about them. And on their present course, they are headed for destruction. But despite their apathy towards Christ, he still loves them. He says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Repent. 
If at this present time in your life, Christ is an afterthought, and you're living for the here and now and for what this world can give you, then Jesus is saying, repent. You need to think of life from a long-term eternal perspective. And Jesus says, if I love you, I'm going to rebuke you. And I will discipline you. If you're heading down the wrong path, the most loving thing that God can do is not let you go down that path unscathed. The most loving thing that God can do is bring hardship to your life so that you wake up and realize you're headed down a wrong path so that you can repent and start focusing on the things that are eternal and that truly matter. I love those whom I discipline and rebuke. Now, after Jesus rebukes them for their lukewarmness, he tells them, be zealous and repent. And repent means to change direction. And he's already told them, buy gold from me. Repentance means quit looking at the material stuff of the world and its riches. Repent and look to me. I have true riches. He's telling them to repent of their, uh, you know, outward look and to put away their shameful acts and put on the righteousness of Christ. He's telling them to repent of this view of life where the goal of life is just accumulate stuff and accumulate pleasures and start taking a long, eternal view where we see that our relationship with Christ and what we do for eternity matters. There's a final appeal that Jesus makes to this church. It's a call to open up their lives to him. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Now, many of us have heard this verse before. It's quoted in a way to invite non-believers to come and accept Jesus. But the context is Jesus at the door of the church, the door of our hearts, saying, let me in. I really want to come in and have fellowship with you. Sad, isn't it? Sad that Jesus stands outside the church wanting to come in. People don't want him in messing with their lives. Today you walked into a church building that is nearing completion on the Renew project. We actually had to let the contractors in to do any work. We had to say, here's the bathroom. Here's a key to the building. Here's access to this. Here's access to that. We had to let them in wherever we wanted them to work. 
You have to let Jesus in. You've also come into a building where the work isn't finished yet. The supervisor told me this week, I've never had a project like this, where what we do is determined by what supplies we can get in. And so we just have to work this way. And of course, the deadline is way behind. But, you know, it'd be a shame if we just finished work right now. We all have areas in our life that Jesus needs to work on. Let me in and let me work. Let me in. I really want to have intimate fellowship with you. Now, Jesus did not leave the Laodicean church hopeless. He makes a promise to these believers who were lukewarm. To him who overcomes, that means to those who repent, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. So if we repent of our lukewarmness, if we invite Jesus in, if we take a long-term perspective, if we repent, then Jesus says, you're going to sit with me on my throne. You're going to be given authority just like all the faithful saints. And then he ends his message by saying, if you have ears, then listen to what the Spirit is saying to you. Has the Spirit said anything to you? Then listen to what the Spirit is saying. Thus ends the seven messages to the seven churches. Seven is the number of fullness, and that means that within these messages to the seven churches, there is a message for all Christians and all churches for all time. Within these messages, God has spoken to us and to the church. Let those who have heard receive what the Spirit has spoken.